I also wanted to thank the, um, the elders for allowing me to speak a second time. You don't know how much this means to me, uh, being able to, to present a lesson based on the Bible. I appreciate that a whole lot. Technology is a wonderful thing. Oh, good. Between a rock and a hard place. We've heard that expression a number of times. The reading that uh, Justin read a minute ago tells us that Scripture in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, God, Yahweh, the one that you and I worship, his son, who is God, was called the rock. Oftentimes, God will use something physical to get his point across. And he did in the Old Testament, and he does in the New Testament. So we need to pay attention to what we read, and uh, particularly uh, things that happen, physical things that happen to us. He gave us relationships, which we'll talk a little bit more about in a couple of minutes. This is a photograph of a rock. It happened to be in Scottsburg. First Christian Church has this huge rock out there by their entryway. The rock that the Bible talks about is a massive piece of stone. It's not a pebble. It's not something that you can put in your pocket. It's huge. So, it's no wonder that some Christian groups decide to use the word the rock as a physical representation of what happens and what we're about. Paul talked about that also in Corinthians. If you read that text, he says, I was, Paul was re- talking to the Christian church. And he's saying that in that text, in the context of it, which is important, that he was not pleased with some of those people at Corinth because they drank from the spiritual rock, which was Christ, but he was not happy with them. He was not happy with them because they were not doing what God expected. But he still loved them. We know that. I'm going to talk today about Aaron. And as I mentioned before to the network, to think about this question, what do you do when you go on an adventure alone? Young people have this desire to go on adventure. And, of course, the Christian life is an adventure. It really is. It's an adventure. We don't know what's happening. But God's got things planned for us that are exciting. But when I was a young person, I liked adventure. And most people like that. So that's why I asked the young network people to 
give me their answer to what would you do if you were going on an adventure alone? What are some important things to, 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 to lay behind or to be aware of? And the answer is what? Now, let, let me say this. When you get older, like me, 78, sometimes you lose the ability to hear real well. I've got two hearing aids. They work good. They're brand new. They work good, but they're not that good. So could you repeat that, please? I missed it again. See there? Say what? I bring a knife. All right. All three of you agree with that? No? All right. What's the other things would you bring? We've got three people there. What do you go say? Can't hear you. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. Duct tape. Bring some duct tape. All right? You have another answer. You have another answer there. Huh? No? All right. So they, they've got two answers. Now let's just listen to the story that I'm going to tell you. This story is not very pleasant. It is not. In fact, I think the story is a very small, I like to use this word, snippet of the Christian life. And as I read the story, I think you will process it and you will see what I'm talking about. Aaron, the word means a priestly, it's a priestly name. A priest is someone who brings people to God. We are all priests. Our goal, among others, besides loving others, is to bring others to God through Jesus Christ. But Aaron is a priestly name. There was a man named Aaron. And by the way, Aaron, I think, is speaking next Lord's Day. Is that right, Steve? Yes, all right. Aaron will be here. And I want you to listen to what Aaron has to say. Very interesting, encouraging. But here's Aaron's story. Aaron was an American, born in the 70s. He was college educated. He got a degree in mechanical engineering. But he decided he did not particularly like the corporate stuff that goes on as an executive or a management in the place that he was working. So he quit. He quit his secular career. He left it behind. And he desired to explore all of these adventures that he had in mind. 
He was a hiker. He was the skier. My son Brian is a skier. He would relate to this. He liked the outdoors. He liked exploring canyons. So in 2003, 19 years ago, by the way, I've been here 19 years, a little over 19 years. 19 years, Aaron decides he's leaving, he's left his career as mechanical engineer, and in 2003, he was a survivor of a grade five avalanche in Colorado. He was skiing with two other friends of his, and he got buried, and his two friends dug him out of a large embankment of snow where he was trapped, and he survived, thanks to his friends. That same year, April 29th, Today's May 1st, April 26th, I'm sorry, April 26th, Aaron was hiking alone in a canyon in the far west, I think it was Utah, I'm not sure. He was was hiking by himself. He had no cell phone. He had limited supply of food, enough food to last several days. But as he was hiking in the canyon, he proceeded to descend down to the lower level. And Aaron dislodged a huge 300-pound rock. The rock moved. It crushed his left hand. But his right hand was lodged underneath the 800-pound rock. He had no way of communicating where he was going. And a word to young folks that like adventure. Please tell people where you're going. Let them know what you're doing. Take a cell phone with you if you have one. But at least let them know that you're at a particular location. So duct tape does help. And some other things, food, a plan. But Aaron, like most of us, make choices that sometimes are we mess up. And no one here has ever planned a an event or a, a an adventure without making a mistake. So we all make mistakes. So we gotta let gotta give Aaron some grace on that. 
And you've got to give yourself some grace on that. But you bet, do the best you can at planning. So if you're going to be in an adventure like Aaron, let people know where you're going. So Aaron was there, and he lodged himself, He got lodged in this canyon, 800-pound rock. How would you like to be there all by yourself? What do you do? What goes through your mind? You are stuck. You are between a rock. Not the rock, although the rock was there, if you know what I mean. You were stuck. So what are you going to do? You've got to use your head. You've got to use available knowledge. How do I get out of this situation the choices are not good. And no matter whether it's being lodged in this situation or a different situation that you may be thinking about that you're currently in, sometimes the choices are not good. But you have to make a choice. You have to. So, Aaron had with him enough food, enough water, a pair of pliers, and a two-inch knife at his disposal. It was a knife that had several different things that could be used, screwdriver, so on. I've got one here, very similar to it, I'm sure. He had that and a pair of pliers. After three days, no success, Reality began to set in. He was going to have to do something serious if he wanted to live. Amputation of his right lower arm was something to think about. The fourth day, his food ran out. Water's gone. He carved his name into the rock with his knife, the date of birth, and his anticipated death date was carved in this rock. Fifth day, he wakes up from sleep and he has a vision. I don't know exactly what that vision looked like, but the vision was him walking alongside of a young 
person. And in his mind, it made him realize, I'm going to get through this. I'm going to get through this. There was an element of hope. Some people call that an epiphany. I think Aaron, from what I read, was a practicing Mormon. I don't know what this vision looked like. But that caused him to have some hope. He proceeded to take his knife and carefully cut through the nerves and lower part of his right arm. The procedure took about an hour. It was painful. He used some cord for a tourniquet. He evidently had enough knowledge about anatomy to make sure that he didn't do some things that were wrong. He used his pliers to cut the tendons and he dislodged himself from underneath this 800-pound rock. He proceeded to walk out of the canyon and I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. But he's alive. He survived. Not a nice story. Currently, today, he's a motivational speaker. And I would say that in the last couple of days, wherever he's at, I don't know where he's at, but it was the night anniversary of him being free. He's a motivational speaker. There's a movie made 127 hours that some of you may have seen. He's written a book between a rock and a hard place. Now, why should I tell you that story? Well, that story, I think, is a good reminder of all of us. We find ourselves in situations through our own choosing, or perhaps not our choosing, a tough spot. The options are not good. So what do you do? From Genesis on, Mark read a nice passage there in Genesis, and I appreciated your thoughts, Mark, on that. From Genesis 32, we read about Jacob wrestling with God. You can go to that account and you can see what happened. Jacob was going to reunite with Esau. But he wrestled with this man and later it winds up being God. You don't wrestle with God without 
realizing that you're going to lose. God is not a loser. He's a winner. So, we've got to be submissive to what God desires for us in every situation. And that's hard. It's not easy. Jacob's Jacob's name was changed. His identity changed. And change happens. We don't like change. We resist it. I resist it. You probably resist some change too. But you have to submit. And that's not easy to do. Genesis through Revelation, almost all of the characters, almost all, if not all of them, we see examples of them being between the rock, God, and a hard place. We see that, if you take note of that, as you read. But we see it especially in the Gospel of John. Especially. The reason I say that is because Peter, John, Thomas, James, those 12, as well as the women that accompanied Jesus, found themselves between the rock, Jesus, and a hard place. As you read the Gospel of John, you find that there are some things related to this man, Jesus, the Anointed One, that are undeniably true. He's human. You cannot, you cannot argue that. He was hungry. His actions are very much like what we would do. His teachings... They make sense, most of them. But then there are some that are a little bit on the other side. They're out of our comfort zone. But his teachings are logical. They make sense. He's he's been called um, the master teacher, and people will, will say, Jesus was a good teacher. Yes, he was good. Why? Because he was God's son. He taught the truth. We know that Jesus had needs, physical as well as emotional. But on the other side, on the other side, when you read John, and John experienced this, Peter experienced this, and all of the twelve as well as the women experienced this. Here's this man who is undeniably human, but he does these miracles. Water to wine? I can't do that. Healing a woman who is sick, Peter's mother-in-law? Walking on water? Come on. You'll see these miracles in the Gospels, but particularly in John. And John writes, these have been written, recorded, so that you, us, 
those who read this may have life and have it abundantly. And these miracles are evidence that God sent Jesus to show us how to live and pave the way to eternity. Some of his teachings are hard. Yes, they are. Very hard. I can't do it alone. And I think you can't do it alone either. Isn't it interesting that God gives us a comforter? He gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us his word in scripture that if we want to and we read it and then decide to put it into practice, it changes us. But his claims that he was equal to God was blasphemy. Who are you to say that you are God? You're just a human You're a carpenter's son from Nazareth. So, we find ourselves in this spot. You and I, I was not raised in the church. I had a glimmer of who God was. That's because of what God put inside of me but it was not complete. I need to be educated. I need to learn. So, I was in a rock for a hard place. I had to decide, do I believe this guy is from God or not? And you probably had to a similar degree that situation of being caught between a the rock, God, and a hard place. What do you do? You gotta make a choice. Like Aaron. You gotta think about it. You've gotta process it. I processed it fifty some years ago. So what's my point? Doral, what are you trying to get me to think about? Well, I've already did most of it. I see you're very attentive, and I appreciate that. But there are some things I would like to leave for your consideration. And I'm not just talking to you. It's like every speaker that comes up here and presents a lesson. You know who they're really talking about? They are only sharing what's part of them, what they know. And that's all I'm doing. I am sharing what I know. I can only share what I know. So what do I know? When we're faced with tough choices, and I doubt that we're going to be faced with having our hands 
underneath 800 pound rock. No, I don't think so. But we've got other choices that we have to make, and they're not easy. I would like you to consider the following. First of all, I think we have to, and I have done this, we have to accept all of what Jesus is about. We cannot pick and choose what we want. Do we do that? Yeah. But you learn as you get older. You need to take all of them. And you need to filter your decision through him. You've heard this before. So you must know Jesus. You must know what he's thinking. You must know what he's like. How he treats people. How he treats you. How much he loves you. It's kind of like embracing food when you go out to a restaurant. Stop and think about that. You're going to go out to lunch today. You're going to order something. I'm probably going to go to Panera with my wife and Brian. I'm going to order something. But guess what? Do I like all of it? Think about it. When you select food, do you select the food that you like? Sure you do. But do you enjoy every aspect of that eating experience or the food? Not so much. When you buy food, there's parts of that food that you don't like. Nothing is perfect. So there are bits that you don't like. But you embrace it. You'll eat it. Your vehicle. The last vehicle you bought. Do you like everything about it? Yeah. Well, probably. You liked a lot of stuff about it. But there are aspects of it that you would rather not embrace. But guess what? You use your vehicle. You use it despite clothes. Same thing here. You buy your clothes. You like them all? All aspects of it? Yeah, I like it. I like the color. I like the way it fits. But there are elements of that that are not up to snuff. But guess what? You wear it. You do it. Investments. Do you like all your investments if you invest? Are they all going to be up to your liking? Hopefully they are, but probably not all of them. The house that you live in, There's something wrong with your house, one part of it that you don't like. But guess what? (laughs) You live in it. You entertain in it. You go to sleep at night in it. You have people over. You embrace it. My point is, my point is, 
we have to embrace all. We do it anyway. We do it with relationships. Is your spouse perfect? But 70 some or 50 some years, she puts up with me. She loves me. Like God loves you. She forgives. Despite the fact that I've got my faults, she embraces me. And I embrace her. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. So it's something that we do in our relationships. Our children, same thing. Same thing. There are parts of your children that you just, oh, I wish you'd not do that. But we learn to embrace all of him. We do it. And our family, we embrace our family. Our earthly family, our church family, there are parts of the church family that, oh man, these relationships are just hard. It's tough. I don't know what to do. God wants me to do this and I want to do that. I got to get my one-two fixed. So we do it already. That's my point. We love and embrace all of these things. My suggestion is, Doral, take the next step. That's out of your comfort zone. It may be hard. But press on. Take that next step. Number two, let Jesus and the Holy Spirit that have you have, that you possess as a tool, as the comforter, as the guide, to help you think differently. Some people call it thinking the heavenly culture. Where's James? Yes, James. Another way of saying what I'm about to say is think about living in a heavenly culture. Peter, James, and John, they learn to think outside the box. It's a learning process. You do not get it overnight. I've got nine dots, and maybe some of you have seen this before, but I'm just going to say it to everybody that's here and see it. You and I can do this. We can do this. We can use four lines to intersect these nine dots Continuously, it's possible. You're sitting there and you're making nine dots. You get a pen, you're probably going to try it. The next slide will show you how it's done. I'm going to take the easy way out and show you. I'm not going to have you figure it out. You start on one corner the upper left corner, 
You go down along those three dots and you go outside the reality of this box, square. You go beyond that and you make your way back and you intersect the other two dots. You go over to the other left side. You go up, connect those three dots back where you went to the beginning and then you go through that center dot and you catch the other dot on the right hand side. That's thinking outside the box. Aaron thought outside the box. Jesus tried to teach Peter, James, and John to think differently outside the box. We know that they both did and were able to do it. They didn't get it right away. It takes time. We already do it. And it's not a checklist, Brett. It is not. I appreciated your comments Wednesday night reading Romans 12. It is not a checklist. It's a way of life. You just do it. Not because you have to, because you've got your want to fixed. You do it because you want to do it. Praying. Do you realize that you pray? And to the unbeliever, praying, what is this? Talking to yourself. You're talking to a supreme being who we don't know, we don't see. You pray? Yeah, we do it. We pray to God. We pray. I pray for my daughter's well-being, strength and courage in dealing with ALS, and my prayers have been answered. Why do I pray? Because I believe in it. I believe in the power of prayer, thinking outside the box. Our actions being kind to those you may not particularly. Yes, your actions, your behavior. And I'm not going to fill in the blank. I'm going to let you fill it in. But you can think outside the box if you want to. We also do it by just showing hope. Aaron had hope after he had this epiphany, this vision. We have hope. Why? Because Jesus is well and alive. And he's working on you and he's working on me for our best benefit. So we do it. Maybe if we show hope We're showing us some hope that we have.
and by showing that we have joy in the situation that we are put in. I'm not happy that my, my son-in-law has ALS. I was not happy when my brother had ALS. I was not happy when my mother had a brain tumor. Not happy. But as a believer, we have hope that things are better, that God can work through this difficult situation. And we show that to others. We show that to other people. So we do that already. We're thinking outside the box. But what I'm saying is, let's take the next step. Okay? Think about that. I know I may be, this is the last point. Embracing and accepting being in this struggle and it's part of God's plan. It's part of God's plan. That's the way God works. If Jesus didn't have to go to the cross, it would have been easy. But he did. Jesus accepted it. Jesus was caught between a rock and a hard place. I think if we learn to pray, Lord, help me to accept what I'm going through. It's part of the plan. There's a purpose for this. Make me stronger, as James put it. From Genesis Revelation, between the rock and a hard place, Peter, Luke 5, fishing all night. You've heard this story. Fishing all night. Didn't catch a thing. Comes up to shore. Jesus is there. He says, go out there, Peter. Take your boat and go fishing again. And the deep waters, not the shallow, the deep water Well, scary. What did Peter say? Peter said, well, we've done that before, Jesus. Master, we've done that before. But because you say so, I will do it. So he gets in the boat and he goes fishing. And what's he catch? He catches a large number of fish. We know the story. Jesus himself, in Luke 22, in the garden, the human element, that struggle between the rock and a hard place. Did Jesus really, humanly, want to die? No, take this cup from me if it is your will, if it's your will, thinking outside the box. So Jesus went through this too. So if Jesus went through it, and other biblical carers went through it, does it make sense that we should accept it and go through it? We don't like it, but we do it. So our closing prayer, my closing prayer, is that we think of the serenity prayer, which was a prayer that's used in AA, and some of you may know it, be familiar with it. I know people that have gone to AA. 
the prayers is, first of all, most people that go to AA realize that they can't control their drinking by themselves. They need a higher power to stop this addiction. And so their prayer, they learn to say, is that, Lord, help me to accept those things that I cannot change. And change the things that I can change. And I pray that I have wisdom to know the difference. That's my prayer for all of us. So let the Holy Spirit, as I mentioned in our adult class, Steve, the Holy Spirit is part of us. The Holy Spirit is there for many reasons. We need to put our antennas out Look at our situations that we're in. We are in a transition state. Rodney will be here in a couple of weeks. You probably will not hear me again, but I appreciate this time that I could share those thoughts with you. We are in a state of transition, and we're looking forward to that visit with Rodney and his family. Embrace their teachings as well as their relationships with us. If you have not been, if you have been between the rock and the hard place, and you think you maybe need some adjustment in your life to go in a different direction, you have an opportunity anytime. Do you know we pray, we can pray anytime We don't have to go to a priest. God may have spoken to you today in something that I have said, the story of Aaron, whatever. The invitation is for you and me. And it's not just coming up and getting wet and checking that off. No, it's not that. But if you have that in mind and you'd like to start your journey, this adventure like Rodney or like uh, Aaron, we welcome you to talk to somebody here that's a Christian. They will help you. The elders are here to help you. I'm here to help you. Any of the women are here to help you. Let's stand and have a closing prayer. And we will end. Be with us the rest of this day. We're thankful for the words that we've sung today in song, as well as the points that have been discussed. We pray that we can assimilate those words. We pray that your will will be done in all of our circumstances, the times that we rejoice with others, the time that we spend putting people aside to let them 
be with your presence someday in funerals and weddings, new births, and just gathering around your table with fellow believers. We thank you for this experience. We pray that you will continue to go with us as we know you will, but help us to be good examples, a shining light upon a hill, that our snippets of glory be known to others. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen.